طيب اوكي سوات الاخلاص اوكي Okay, so introduction to Surah Al-Ikhlas. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he described the Surah as one-third of the Qur'an. Okay. Uh, so this, 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 uh, this Surah, this specific Surah, is equal to one-third of the Qur'an. And why did he call it a one-third of the Qur'an? Because some of the scholars have said the reason is because one-third of the Qur'an's meaning is contained within the Surah. Okay, why? Because uh, if some scholars have said that uh, the Quran can be divided into three parts. You have, uh, you have uh, the Tawheed of Allah, where Allah is calling us to worship only one God, that there's only one God, there are no multiple deities. So there's the Tawheed of Allah. There's then the two third, then the second, then another one third is talking about stories of the Quran, Yusuf's story, Ibrahim's story, Musa's story, other prophets' stories, previous nations' stories. So that's one third. And then you have the last one third, which are commands, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. So, um, so some scholars they divided the Quran into these three different types of verses. Um, so they said Surah Al-Ikhlas is about uh, only about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, about Allah's Tawheed. So we call it one third of the Quran, and that's why the Prophet called it one third of the Quran. Wallahu alam, but that's what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. It equals one third of the Quran. So this is one of the virtues of this particular surah. Um, uh, we talked about the name of Allah. Uh, I don't know if we went into details, but uh, the name of Allah, because uh, this surah you know, has the name of Allah in it specifically, uh, so it is unique to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and it is the original name that was taught by Adam, uh, that was taught to Adam Alayhi Salam, according to uh, many scholars. That Allah was the original name. It doesn't it doesn't originate from anything in Arabic, uh, but rather it's the actual original name that was taught to Adam Alayhi Salam. Uh, in Jannah, uh, that this was a name that was taught to him, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is unique to Allah. Uh, so no one else can be given this name. Okay, now why was this surah sent out? Um, what was the reasoning behind it? Well, the reason was that uh, the Quraysh, they requested the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they asked him, uh, okay, who is, this, who is this God that sent you? Like, who is this Allah that sent you? What is his genealogy? Who are his parents? Who are his, uh, does he have family? Does he have, uh, is he made out of gold? Is he made out of silver? Like, who is he? Tell, tell us the nature of God. That's what they wanted to know. Oh, tell us the nature of this God. What is he, what is he like? And then Allah, uh, in response to their request, sent down this surah. So as we will go through each verse, Allah is basically introducing who he is, his nature and who he is and what he is uh, to, the, to mankind in this particular surah. Okay, so let's begin. Who wants to read the first verse? There's a question, uh, Sheikh Ramiz. Yes, Tafab. Um, Zakaria. Naam, Zakaria, he asks, if you read Surah Ikhlas three times, does it mean it's like you have read the entire Quran? As in, you would get the same amount of deeds if you read Surah Ikhlas three times instead of reading the whole Quran? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I, I can see some scholars arguing for that. Uh, it's possible. They said this, but I haven't come across it, so I don't know uh, if that's possible. Um, but, you know, Allah is, you know, uh, uh, Rahim and He's bountiful and He is a giver of gifts. So it's possible that Allah might be able to give uh, that type of reward if somebody, you know, like, and he reads it sincerely with their heart and then acts according to it. It's possible. But I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I would have to look it up. Okay, barakallahu feek. 
Habib Allah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد طيب okay so قل هو الله أحد say he is Allah who is one okay so let's break it down let's see what this means inshallah so uh, the word قل is being used by itself uh, and it's not followed by any other word which means to tell everyone okay so it's, it's not saying like it's not saying tell your family okay or tell specific people uh, Allah used the word qul, which is general. It's am, it's general, meaning tell everyone, all of mankind. It's not to a specific group of people or anything like that, no. Uh, or a particular tribe or a particular people within a, society, uh, within a particular time frame, no. It means Allah saying, tell all mankind, okay? So, the, and this message remains. Qul huwa Allahu ahad. Say, Allah is one and He is uh, alone. Okay, what does it mean when we say Allah is one? Does anyone want to take a bet? What does that mean? Let's take a guess. Does anyone want to take a guess? What does that mean? Allah is one. What does that mean? I'm looking in the chat. Yaqeen says he is the one and only. Uh, he says he is the only God. I believe one of the students are impersonating me. Um, Huraba says no other gods. Um, are those all right, Sheikh Ramiz? Okay, that's definitely part of it. Uh, so once one is essence, which is some of, which is some of what you are all mentioning. Okay, Allah is one. There's no other God but Him. Yes, that is one. So Allah's essence. There is no one uh, that is. Uh, there is no other God, right? Uh, in His essence, there is one. Allah is one in His essence, and there's nothing equal to Him, um, uh, and He's alone. So that's one. Also in Allah's attributes. Okay, so there's no one. That Allah's mercy is not like our mercy, right? Allah's um, uh, Allah's uh, power is not like our power. Allah's seeing is not like our seeing. Allah's hearing is not like our hearing, right? It's not the same thing. Allah's uh, all of Allah's attributes are any unrestricted. They're not restricted in any way. Ours as our attributes are restricted in some way, right? We can't hear everything, right? But Allah hears everything. We can't see everything, but Allah hears. Uh, but Allah sees everything. So, so Allah is one in His essence, and Allah is one in His attributes. What else? Allah is also one in His actions, the way He performs things, the, one, the way He does things. Also, there's nothing like Him. And when Allah wants something to be, for example, He says, Kun, Fayakun, and it is. Nobody can, Allah creates things out of nothing, right? And no creation can do that. He cannot be, Allah alone is the one who does that, who can create things out of nothing. Um, so his, so he, Allah is unique and one in his essence, in his attributes, and in his actions. And also there's nothing similar or equal to him in existence. Yeah, there's nothing like that. Whatever, Allah is unique in that way. Uh, there's no one that, that yeah, he matches with his power uh, or in his existence in any way. He's alone and unique. Next verse. Allahu Samad. Okay, Allah, the sustainer, needed by all. That's the um, translation for it. Let's see what this means. Um, meaning, uh, Allah is the one that we turn to in times of needs, and and we are never disappointed. That's the that's the that's the uh, meaning. That's one of the meanings of Asana. There, so once you, you know, when you look at the books of Tafsir, 
so the scholars mentioned different interpretations. What is the word as-samad? What does that mean when Allah says he's as-samad? Uh, so this is one of the things that is mentioned, which is most commonly used, is this meaning, which is that it means that it means that Allah is the one that you turn to and you are never disappointed. Uh, so that's called that's called As-Samad. So Allah is referring to him uh, to himself as As-Samad. Um, and uh, he has everything you need and never less than what you need. Allah gives you whatever you need, Allah has for you. And he, and he had, never has less than what you need. Like he has exactly what you need. He has exactly what you need. Nothing less, nothing more. Exactly what you need, that's what Allah has. He's, that's why he's called As-Samad. Um, and we as human beings, uh, well, not just human beings, but creation as a whole, we will always need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he needs no one and nothing. Okay, uh, And this is why he's called As-Samad, the sustainer who is needed by all, but he needs no one. We need him, but he needs no one. Allah doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our sacrifices. Yani he doesn't need uh, you know, our praises or anything like that. But we do all of those things for ourselves, for our benefit. Allah doesn't need it because he is As-Samad. Um, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also, in, uh, is also uh, in touch with our deepest feelings and he is precisely aware of our situations and circumstances. He knows exactly what's happening. So don't ever feel that you cannot reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one of the things that we should be getting out of this particular verse is the, the uh, dua, basically how important dua is because Allah, uh, uh, Allah is aware of our situations. He's always with us, right? He created us. He's always with us. Uh, he sees us, he hears us, everything that's happening in our life, our deepest secrets, right, our deepest emotions, he knows them precisely as they are. So when we reach out to him and sincerely make dua to him, he hears and he knows our situation and circumstances. So we should never lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is as-samad. And the purpose of this verse is to make us depend on Allah alone. Yeah, don't depend on the creation, depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone uh, and uh, don't put your heart uh, completely uh, in something else. Um, also, we should learn from this particular verse is that we should not build an extreme dependency on others, okay? Where we make ourselves completely dependent on other uh, uh, someone else other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you're always going to be disappointed. But when we put our trust in dependency and dependency solely on Allah uh, in, in its complete form, then, you will, then we will never be disappointed, okay? Uh, but once you do it in other people in, in this creation, we can con we are under the threat of constantly being disappointed. So this is one of the things that comes out of the word as-samad. So Allah is as-samad. Next verse. Go ahead, ghuraba. Ghuraba or ghuraba? Ghuraba. Allah. Tuba lil ghuraba. Go ahead. Lam yanid wa lam yulad. He has never had offspring, nor was he born. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, the first part is a negation of any children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying basically that Allah does not have any children, right? And why? Because Allah is not in need of any children. Allah is perfect. Uh, and Allah not having children is a perfection on his part, but not ours. Like as human beings, when we like when we hear about people who cannot have children, for example, right, couple who cannot have, cannot have children, generally speaking, you know, we consider this as like a deficiency of children, right? Like this can't have children. There's something wrong, right? Because as human beings, we want to leave a legacy, right? You want to you want to have children, 
uh, because we don't live forever, right? We we only come in this dunya, it's been in this dunya for a short while, then we die. And the only thing that keeps going after us is our children. So we need that, right? So part of our completion is to have children. But when it comes to Allah, because Allah is perfect, because He is uh, the everlasting, never never living, and, and He always living, He is always living, because Allah is uh, never dies and He always lives. Children on his part is not an act of perfection, but actually it would be a deficiency. Allah needing children because that would be out, that would be uh, basically contradicting contradicting his perfection. And this is why whenever Allah mentions uh, the concept of Christians having uh, attributing a son to Allah, right? He always says Subhanahu. Yani Allah is perfect from that. Allah doesn't. That Allah is not in need of that. But that's what the word Subhanallah literally means. It means Allah is perfect and is not in need of such things. Allah is perfect and he's he is free of any imperfections. So Allah basically attributing uh, children to him is an act, uh, basically is attributing imperfection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and some sort of need. So Allah not having children is an act of perfection uh, or as, rather it's an attribute of perfection on his part, but not ours. Um, now, the reason why people, you know, uh, one of the reasons people do shirk Right? Why they create all these children and they attribute it, attribute them attribute them to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is because uh, people they want to build some sort of a connection to Allah through family because they feel that Allah is too distant that He's too far away from them He cannot hear them He's too perfect so we have to go through these other means to get to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala so they create these like imaginary children for Allah who are like demigods they're like they're not as perfect as uh, as powerful as the main God right which is Allah. And then you have to go through these demigods who are less perfect to get to the main God, right? So that's why people, that's one of the reasons people do acts of shirk and they create these things and they call them and they attribute them to uh, Allah to children. Like when we, like when you listen to Christians, that's what they say, right? God is too perfect. We're too sinful. So we need to get through, we need to get through God through his son who died for our sins. And then we have to get through him. Why? Because they cannot imagine that. How can you go straight to him? Like they can't imagine that. Uh, but as Muslims, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us that yes, actually you can reach directly to me because I hear you, I, I created you. And this is the, one of the reasons I, I, I sent you into the earth is to worship me, right? Directly, directly reach out to me and make dua to me. I hear you and I will respond to you, you know, just obey my commands and follow my guidelines and you know, you know, you know, I will support you and be patient with whatever I have, you know, whichever circumstances I put you into life. So that's part, so that's all of that is captured in the meaning lam yalid. He has never. He doesn't have any offspring. Okay. Um, okay. The second part, which is uh, nor was he born. That's the well, lam yulid. That means it's a negation of Allah having any sort of parents or a beginning. Because why Allah is eternal, right? Uh, we all come from someplace, right? But Allah comes from nowhere. Allah always was, and He always will be. Okay. And nothing created Allah, right? Allah was always there from the beginning. He doesn't have any parent. There was no, there was nothing before him. He was he is the beginning. Yeah, and he is he is it. He didn't he didn't like pop into existence one day. No, uh, he was always there. Okay, and he always will be. Walam yulid. That's what that's what Allah means by walam yulid. Now we as human beings, you know, when we think about creation, because we're so used to the world of coming something coming into existence, right? Because that's what we see all around us. Like there's some first there was nothing, and then something came into existence, right? So sometimes people have a difficulty imagining and then they try to attribute that attribute to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's an attribute of creation. It is an attribute of creation that they, that they come from something, okay? 
and that's what we observe in the whole universe, right? Something comes from like any something comes from another thing, right? Nothing exists by itself, right? Something comes, something was before it, right? Uh, but when it comes to Allah, when, uh, when it comes to Allah, He's free from this. He always was. He is the Creator. Okay. So when atheists sometimes bring this up, you know, uh, that okay, well, if okay, if everything came from something, then who created Allah? They bring this argument constantly, and this is nothing new. Even the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam talked about it. He said, you know, a shaitan comes to you and says, tells you, who created this? You say Allah. Who created this? Allah. Who created this? Allah. And then he keeps going, and then the shaitan says, uh, and okay, then who created Allah? And then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, yani, uh, that's from the shaitan. Yani, seek, seek, yani, seek uh, Allah's uh, protection from it. So that that idea that that thought comes to our minds from the shaitan. Uh, because why? Because you cannot compare Allah to His creation. Okay, that that is an attribute of creation that comes from something. But Allah comes from nothing, and He always was, and He always will be. So that is what Allah is negating here. Lam yarid wa lam yulid. So this one statement it captures the whole meaning. Of what of everything that I just explained, he has never had offspring, nor was he born. Go ahead, Amr. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Okay. Nor is there to him any equivalent. Okay, so we briefly discussed this one earlier. We'll just get into a little bit more detail. Uh, what this means is that what it means is that there's no one that has ever existed, whether in the past or in the future, that can be equivalent to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in any way or in any form, whether in His attributes, whether in His essence, whether in His actions, in any way. No, Allah is one, unique. Uh, there's nothing like Him. There's nothing like Him. Whatever comes to your mind is nothing like that. Whatever you know, like, you know, like it's natural when you think about when somebody's mentioning when we think about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you know, something tries to something comes into our mind, right? Uh, some, yeah, and it's like fuzzy, but it's not. It's nothing is clear. Well, whatever that thing comes to your mind, Allah is nothing like that. Okay, uh, uh, He is nothing like His creation. It, nothing resembles Him in creation. There's, he is completely unique. Um, Allah is, the, and also that. Uh, Okay, I think we mentioned this earlier. He is the creator and everything else in, in, in existence is his creation. Okay, so so this so, so now this whole surah was a response to the Quraysh who were asking the Prophet who is this Allah? Is he made out of gold? Is he made out of silver? Who is his genealogy? Does he have parents? They're asking him all these questions. So this surah, Allah is answering, Allah is basically introducing himself. Okay, and this is who he is. Okay, so this is what we learned from these uh these uh, verses. Okay, now we get to the conclusion of the surah, Surah Al-Ikhlas. Um, so this surah, it refutes the Christians, Jews, and the idol worshippers. Why? Because they all make some sort of human equivalence to Allah, right? Uh, the Christians, they say uh, Isa alayhi salam, right? Uh, he is like God. He's one of three. Right? He, they say Allah is like split into three things, three entities, uh, Father, Ghost, a Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? And this is wrong. So this is refuting the Christians. The Jews, uh, during the time of the Prophet وسلم, they had a sect of the Jews who used to say that uh, Uzair is the son of Allah. Okay, so this is a this was a refutation to those. I think I don't think these these this particular sect of the Jews they exist anymore in our times, but this was a past sect a long time ago that used to exist during the time of the Prophet. Uh, anyway, and then you have the idol worshippers. The idol worshippers they used to say that Allah had daughters. 
uh, to uh, the jinn, um, and, uh, and and they called the angels. Basically, Allah they used to say that the angels are the daughters of Allah, and Allah had them, uh, and uh, with the uh, with the jinn, and you know obviously this is all shirk and wrong, and uh, you know completely bogus. So Allah is refuting in this surah; He's refuting all three of these uh, groups that existed at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Um, okay, so we also should understand that there are, there are external idols and there are internal idols, and we as Muslims we have to conquer both and cleanse ourselves from both. So there's the external idols, which are like you know, I mean, physical, like whether it's Isa, whether it's uh, whether it's like a stone that they make with their own hands and they worship it, and then there's internal idols as well. You know, like when you when you uh, like depend when you like uh, create some sort of extreme dependency on something other than Allah, and that and you basically start valuing that thing so much that it becomes your whole life, right? And then you whether it could be money, for example, right? It could be fame, it could be arrogance, it could be wanting to get, you know, uh, like uh, uh, it could be even like a, the op somebody from the opposite gender, you know? It could be this obsession with the work, it could be food, it could be something, it could be anything like something that becomes like it, you become so obsessed with it that it becomes your whole life. And you ignore everything else around you, including Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of it. So that's an internal idol. Okay. So we have to crush both. As Muslims, we have to crush our external idols and we have to crush the internal idols as well. Uh, the Arabic word al-ilah, uh, I think this, um, it's, it literally means the word God in Arabic. Like, you know, a lot of people say Allah is, uh, in Arabic, Allah is uh, God. Actually, that's not what Allah, like I said earlier, is actually one of the names of Allah. Um, and it's the unique name to him that was originally given to Adam salam. And ilah is the actual word in Arabic, which is referred to as God. Uh, and it means something that is worshipped, but can also mean the following things. Okay, the word ilah can also mean someone you turn to when you are desperate and have no one else. That is also called ilah in Arabic, or someone that makes you wonder and captivates your mind and your imagination. That is also called ilah in Arabic. Uh, yani meaning you are in awe of it. You are so amazed by it. It's called ilah. And the object of your protection is also called ilah. And something that is high and hidden, right? Uh, that is also called ilah in Arabic. So all of these meanings uh, are different meanings that are incorporated in the word al-ilah. And that's why the Arabs use the word ilah to refer to uh, God or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so that concludes uh, Surah Al-Ikhah.